This is In Conversation from Apple News. I'm Shamitha Basu. Today, all things soccer, or should I say football, with Rebecca Lowe. The Women's World Cup is officially underway in Australia and New Zealand. It's a tournament with a lot of firsts. A record 32 teams are competing, with eight nations making their Women's World Cup debuts. Players in so many countries. Canada, England, New Zealand, Spain, France, South Africa, and Zambia are fighting with their local football associations for equal pay and better conditions. And they're making slow but sure progress. This tournament is also a chance for the United States to do something historic. They are now heading into an attempt for the three-peat, which would be pure history. I mean, to win a World Cup three times in a row, to actually win any trophy in any sport three times in a row is near on impossible. It's even harder when there are four years between each one. That's Rebecca Lowe. She's kind of an icon in the soccer broadcasting world. She's a host of NBC Sports Premier League coverage. We are going to make some memories. This is Premier League Mornings Live on location. She also co-hosts Apple News' After the Whistle podcast with Brendan Hunt, one of the stars of Ted Lasso. The podcast is now back for a second season to cover the Women's World Cup. Okay, winners. Who are your winners? This is the big one. Despite my, uh, despite my, uh, my reservations, uh, <laughs> despite my timidity, my cautiousness, my responsibly wide view, gotta go USA, gotta go USA. Here we come, Australia. Get ready for it. Yeah. You. Head says Germany. Mm. Sort of full body says USA. <laughs> Heart <laughs> says those cheeky little lionesses. Oh yeah, I'm going for it. I mean, <laughs> by the way, by the way, so, how predictable are we? Literally, how predictable are our predictions? So predictable. Hold on. Yeah. You made me go first. Yeah. Uh, and you picked three winners. Like Correct. I've never seen a fence straddled Correct. so hard. I wanted to talk with Rebecca ahead of the tournament for a sort of crash course in what to look out for, the teams and players to watch. But first, we got to talking about how sports broadcasting has long been, and still is, very male-dominated. I asked Rebecca how she got into covering soccer in the first place. It's a strange path, Shamita. Most people, certainly where I come from, go and do a degree in journalism, and then they go and work in local radio in England or local television, and they work their way up. But I won a competition. In uh, 2002, I applied for the BBC talent search for a football reporter because I just had always loved football and I was planning on being an actress. So in that year, I worked for a, a sports radio station just making cups of tea and answering phones and applied for this competition, which I was never going to win in my mind because I was a woman. And it was only 2002. And then, long story short, I won it. And it was a six-month contract as a soccer reporter for the BBC. Wow. But so, so you had a love of the game. You came yeah. in just with your, your regular love of the game. Which was so rare. I mean, I was nine years old. My dad took me to a Crystal Palace match. They're my team. They're in South London. They're in the Premier League now. But when I was growing up, they were not in the Premier League very often. And he took me one day because he had a spare ticket. And there was no one else to take. None of his other male friends or my brother. He was busy. And I think he just was like, well, I'm not going to waste a ticket. You. 
you can come with me, I suppose. <laughs> Trust me, you would not take a nine-year-old girl in 1989 to a soccer match. It was very rare. But I just remember from that moment on, I was just hooked, 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 hooked. When I say it was rare, I couldn't find a single soul except for one young lady to be my friend, to like football with me growing up in England. I was I was like this strange person that loved football. Wow. So yeah, I'd always loved it throughout growing up and I would go every week with my dad to watch the Crystal Palace. And then when I won the competition, I was like, oh, oh, okay, well, maybe I can do this. But then when you walk in the offices at the BBC and there's like no women, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be hard. So I did the six months. I ended up staying. But even then, you know, in the, in the 2000s, it just... It was like forcing it on people. It was so difficult to get people interested. It was tough. So I can't believe it is where it is now, to be honest, in the UK, compared to where it was when I started 20 years ago. I never thought it would get this big. A big moment for women's soccer was the 1999 World Cup, when Brandy Chastain made that unbelievable penalty kick to clinch the title for the United States. You might remember the iconic image that was everywhere. The cover of magazines, newspapers, Brandy right after taking that winning shot, in her sports bra, holding her jersey, arms up, victorious. Here she is in a FIFA video talking about it. I felt incredibly comfortable, and I put the ball down, and I backed up just like I normally would. The referee blew the whistle, I tapped my toe on the ground, and the next thing you know, it hit the net, and the celebration <laughs> happened, and the next thing you know, the players are there. I think it took them three seconds. Side story. Brandy and I worked together on the Women's World Cup in 2011 for ESPN in Germany and we became fast friends and one day we had a day off and we were in her bedroom in the hotel just hanging out watching a movie or something and I said to her all right I'm gonna make you do it and she was like what I want you to get up I want you to go over to the other side of the hotel room Brandy and I want you to just talk me through that moment let's reenact it right now I'll be the crowd I want you to do it oh, she, wow. she did it for uh -huh. me it was amazing and you know she took it with her <laughs> Weaker foot. She took it with her left foot and she's not even left-footed. I mean, she's a Did she hero. really? Yeah, I wow. know. Amazing. She's that kind of person though. She's just, she oozes confidence. She's just the best of the best. Anyway, that was quite the moment being given a private audience with Brandy Chastain <laughs> re-enacting her penalty in, in 1999. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> that was the tournament that cemented the U.S. women's soccer players as household names. The 99ers, as that team of Julie Foudy and Brandy Chastain and Bree Scurry, they were known as the 99ers, of course. Yes. They set that tone all the way back to really put women's football on the map. Because one thing I've known living in America for 10 years, you guys love to win. And if you win, <laughs> people take notice. It could be in any sport. So in 1999 at the World Cup, you had that opportunity in your home country to unite behind a winning team that went on to win the World Cup the impact that they had was was generational. And I think that's where we are today. I really think we're there again, you know, with the Megans and the Alex Morgans now. They are going to have a similar impact. And you see it already. Kids love them. Mm -hmm. And if the 99ers had social media, you know, they'd all be millionaires by now. <laughs> you know, I mean, Alex Morgan's got over 10 million followers. It's a different world now, yeah, but it's yeah. it's the same feeling. It's the young girls and the young boys, like my little boy, Teddy, who's seven. He loves Alex Morgan. You know, he was lucky enough to meet her the other week. And he just, he's talked about her ever since. And Watching my little seven-year-old boy go up to, we went to a San Diego wave game, go up to the players at the end to get them to sign his flag was so interesting to me because, I, again, I go back to it, where I come from, women footballers wouldn't have been an attraction to children. Yeah. And now, and in this country, they are. And we shouldn't take that for granted, you know, because I know that many of the listeners and you and your generation, my generation, will have known nothing else other than the 99ers and how great they are. But 
that's a big deal. Mm. It doesn't happen mm. in many places in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, when I watch Teddy go up and ask those, I think that's amazing because he's seeing them the same way he sees Christian Pulisic. He doesn't see a difference between Alex Morgan and Christian Pulisic. That actually gives me chills. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So let's talk about this summer and what you're watching for. I mean, I think for a lot of people, I mean, let's just recognize where we are at in America, right? A lot of people are becoming more interested in soccer, but certainly still a lot of people are are a bit new to the sport or newly interested in the sport. So who are the major players on the U.S. team? that people should know and people should be watching. Wow. So when you deal with a team as good as America, you could basically just give the one to 11 and say they're all, you need to know them all. Yeah, because they're all so good. I mean, my brain straight away goes to Alex Morgan. So if anyone who's listening, who's heard the name, it's the lady who has the long brown hair with the pink headband. That's basically her trademark. Mm -hmm. And she Mm -hmm. has been around since the 2011 World Cup. This will be her fourth World Cup. So Alex Morgan plays what we call the number nine, which is the out and out striker up top. And she is a true United States legend. She scores goals you know, like it's the easiest thing in the world. So she will probably start every game. Now, the manager of the team will probably play a 4-3-3 formation. So four defenders, three midfielders, three up top. So Alex will play in the middle of that three up top. Mm -hmm. Either side of her is up for debate, but there is a young player called Sophia Smith, who is, I think, a definite starter. Another player you must watch. She She's crazy good, ridiculous good. First World Cup, lots of NWSL teams want to try and trade her. She, I think, could be a breakout star in this World Cup. Mm. Further back, there are some big names that are missing through injury or retirement, which is a great shame. Uh, Mallory Swanson should be there. She's injured. The captain, Becky Sauerbrunn, who is a centre-half, she announced a couple of weeks ago she wouldn't be able to play. That's a huge miss because she's brilliant at centre-half. Centre-half is, of course, the middle two positions on that back four. Um, it's probably going to be Alana Cook on one side and a young lady called Naomi Germa on the other. And she plays for the San Diego Wave. She came out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. She is what we would call in England a Rolls Royce of a footballer, like a Lamborghini of a footballer. She is smooth. She has awareness. She's got pace, but she knows how to bring the ball out to try and start a play. She is just refined and so young. This is her first World Cup. And I think she will become who Becky Sauerbrunn has been. I think Naomi Germa will do three, four World Cups. She, for me, will also be, I think, one of the performers of the of the tournament. So Alex Morgan, Sophia Smith, Naomi Germa are my top three. But really, they're all so good, I could pick any. <laughs> so now America is uh, the one to beat, but there yep. is a ton of tough competition from around the world. Who do you think has it uh, has it in them to give America a real run for their money? So not being biased, but possibly slightly, uh, England are the European champions from 2022. Uh Now, don't get me wrong. England have historically not been a threat, but in the last five or so years, it's been catapulted and it's a mixture of good coaching, better players and a better league. So the WSL in England has finally gone professional, fully professional. Hallelujah. We finally got there. So players aren't having to pay to play. They aren't having to teach in school during the day and then go and train in the evening. They can actually play football for a living. That's Mm -hmm. changed everything. And that's definitely made the England national team better. So England's Lionesses coming off that 2022 European Championship, I would say are up there with Germany. I mean, Germany, if anyone listening doesn't know too much about football, let me just tell you, Germany basically win everything. It feels like they win everything. They are good 
at men's football. They are good at women's football. They are good at a lot of things. So you can never count Germany out. They are one of England's biggest rivals because we always lose to them. So Germany are always going to be a danger. France are excellent technically. They've got some really good players as well. I would say England, Germany and France are the big three. But... Mm -hmm. You can go through the list of this Women's World Cup, which, by the way, is the biggest there's ever been. There's 32 teams in it now. I on that, I mean, Australia being on home soil, having one of the best players in the world and Sam Kerr, another one to look out for. She mm. is top of her game, top class, best in the world. She plays for Australia in front of their own fans and the Aussies love sport. Oh my goodness, their cricket, their rugby, and now their women's soccer. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them going far. So I, you yeah. could actually count, I would say 10 of the 32 teams have a chance. Five of the 32 teams have a really good chance. How much does being on your home ground give you a, a, a real advantage? Huge. So Australia's first game is against the Republic of Ireland. And Ireland have never been to a World Cup before. They're actually one of my dark horses. But imagine being in that Ireland team. You've never been to a World Cup. You are walking out at this stadium, which will be packed out full of Aussies. A tiny group of Irish in the corner, which will be loud. But there is no doubt. They're Irish. They'll be loud. <laughs> but you are going to be intimidated anyway. And then yeah. you're faced with that. So I do think that playing on your home stadiums in your home country on your own soil, in your own time zone, in your own weather, in your hotels that serve the food that you like to eat, with your families <laughs> in the stands. There are many mm. things, actually, when you add up, all the things that everyone else won't have. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the games, as you mentioned, being in Australia and New Zealand and in those time zones and terrible times for us. I mean, like I was looking up the schedule. It just looks mm. it looks so, so difficult for anyone in the United States we're talking like really early morning, sometimes middle of the night. I think it starts okay. I want to say the first few okay. are sort of 6 p.m., 9 p.m. Yeah, there's times some late, yeah. later evening ones, which yeah, are totally but, fine. Yes, totally fine. But the better that USA do, the worse it becomes. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> well, I imagine that you have lots of thoughts on how to watch a sport that is often on a different time zone than you. So do you have any tips for U.S.-based watchers? Power through. Funnily enough, my life is based on three different time zones. So I live in California, Shamita. I fly on a Friday to New York, where just outside New York is my NBC studio. But of course, we're showing English football. So I oh, come gosh, from California yeah. time zone to New York time zone to then go on British time zone to get up at half past three in the morning. I actually don't have any tips other than you have to just power through. You just got to do it. And also, the other tip is don't say to yourself... Oh, it's 2 a.m. Yeah, I'm not going to get up for that. So what I'll do is I'll put my alarm on for 6 and I'll record it and then I'll watch it at 6 a.m. Well, we all know that the first thing everyone does on their morning routine is look for their phone. And the first yeah. thing that comes up on your phone is the score. And then you're, This is then what you I may, worry about. Right. So <laughs> the only option you've got, Shamita, I've got to be honest, is to do a 2 a.m. And anyone who's had kids, it's just a little bit like going back in time. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be fine. And, uh, and at least there's no crying, baby. So yeah, yeah, get up, go downstairs, keep everything super dark. Put the TV on, get your blanket, maybe your weighted blanket, and um, and watch the game. Yeah, you've got to do it. You just got to power through it. Just cozy up to a different time zone yeah. for a little bit. And also, It'll there's something it. about knowing that you're not the only one doing it, and you know that there are people watching it at the same time, and you're part of a community. So it is. It's <laughs> fun to do it live. You've got to do it live. Okay, Rebecca, I want to switch gears for just a moment because I've got you here. And I feel like okay. I need to ask you some questions about the world of men's soccer here in America. Okay. Of course, there's been big news lately. Lionel Messi is making his debut. He is joining the MLS team Inter-Miami. 
And I should mention Apple is reportedly involved in this deal since they own streaming rights to Major League Soccer. Aside from the details of the deal, though, this move by Messi feels like huge news, like seismically huge, and also a really big chance being taken both by Messi and by Major League Soccer. It is seismic. I would agree it is seismic. He's 36, which is the only downside. Goodness, how I wish he'd done this when he was 30. He was never going to, but that would have been double seismic. I saw that the sleeve sponsor, so the tiny area on the sort of top of the bicep of the Inter Miami shirts, that little sponsorship badge has been sold for a ridiculous amount of money, never seen before in in any game ever. Um, I mean, that does get quite a lot of exposure because on every close-up of a player, you know, you do see the sleeve. I mean, it just gives you an example of his star power. Shamita, Inter Miami now has more Instagram followers than any American football, baseball, or hockey team. Wow. I mean, it just shows you the power of Messi. I think it's brilliant. I think anything that draws eyeballs to soccer in America, for me personally, trying to grow the game here, is brilliant. Yes, I wish he was younger, but he's a great ambassador for the game and hopefully he can play a lot. My fear, you know, when they get to this age and he's played a huge amount of football, let's not forget he was 15 when he broke into the Barcelona team. So the amount of football he's played, he has not had vast stretches out of the game injured not loads and loads and loads Mm -hmm. so those little legs of his and they are pretty little those little (laughs) legs um have run a lot and when you get to 36 as a top level footballer you do tend to break down and you do tend to get more injuries so i'm a little nervous of that because there would be nothing worse than a damp squib as we say in england of him coming here and all the fanfare for him to be injured a lot. And it happens. I've seen it happen time and time again with big stars. So my great hope is that he stays injury free. And of course, all the people who have bought all the tickets to see him can actually witness. And, and I'm desperate to take my my kid to go and see him because, you know, we won't see the like of him again. Yes, there will be another player in 30 years time, 40 years time, maybe who we start comparing to Messi. But Messi is Messi. And yeah, he's the one right he's now. He's the one. He is everything. And I think Major League Soccer need it, if I'm honest. I think yeah. that we need more eyeballs on Major League Soccer. Just, I, I can't get away from it, Shamina. I just wish you'd done it earlier. I just, we've got to get away from the aging superstar coming to America. It's got to stop. How we do that? I could do a whole nother podcast on it because I know how we do it, but they won't do that. And that's to do with promotion and relegation and setting up a proper pyramid here in the, in the United States so that football has a proper pyramid and it becomes incredibly competitive but they're not going to do it because turkeys don't vote for christmas so the owners of major league soccer won't vote for that they don't want to get relegated do they so i understand why they don't want to do it (laughs) it's true though it's like the owners of major league soccer are like turkeys they're not going to vote for christmas they're not going to vote for relegation so would they Mm -hmm. exactly and but that is the core problem as to why you only get aging stars because they see it as a way to end their career and it shouldn't be it should be a brilliant this country deserves a top level brilliant domestic league it needs to be better but i don't think they'll do it for a while certainly not for yeah. a while maybe i should yeah. try and get in charge of it and fix it <laughs> i was gonna say you've got a lot of ideas <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> so i should say you and your co-host for this podcast brendan hunt mm-hmm. of course who played coach beard and in, in ted lasso are bringing your world cup podcast back it is yep. here for the summer covering the tournament uh tell us what we can look forward to in this well, season Number one, we can look forward to Brendan being in Australia, which is going to be amazing. He's going to fly yeah. out for the vast majority of the tournament. So I'm just going to, I'm excited for him to be kind of the intrepid reporter on the ground, you know, feeding me back scoops and things that we can use on the podcast. I've also told him that he has to try an Australian delicacy 
food-wise, every day. I would like reports back on... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things in Australia to eat. So we got Vegemite, we've got Tim Tams, kangaroo, various parts of their anatomy. So we need him to... Yeah, mm mm-hmm. So we need... Or just kangaroo sandwich. I mean, sometimes crocodile sandwich. So we need to get him to try some of these things. I feel that he might be a bit (laughs) reticent about it, um, which is highly disappointing if he's not down for this. But that's something I'd like to incorporate. But away from the food, we are going to just basically talk a lot about the US Women's National Team. I will try and pop in with my England lionesses every now and then. And it's just us, what we say in England, chewing the cud, which is basically venting when we're frustrated, getting overexcited, normally me, uh, about England, and um, yeah. and just generally just loving the game and hoping that through humour, especially from Brendan, that we help others enjoy and further enhance the Women's World Cup experience. That's all we're trying to do. Awesome. Well, tell me if you can choose just one thing, maybe it's too too difficult for you to do. What are you most excited for? I don't know if this is excitement or fear, but if America and England meet in this World Cup, I'm going to have serious issues, Shamita. I've got serious <laughs> problems because. Have you searched deep down and asked yourself what you would do? I mean, I have. Who you'd be I mean, I have. For? I have asked myself. I have asked myself, and I'm going to have to go England. But yeah, that's what I'm excited slash terrified about. I also don't really. If England beat the USA, I'm not sure Brendan's turning up. I'm not sure Brendan's turning up for the podcast. <laughs> i got to be honest. I think he's going to go missing in the Australian outback because he, he's going to be devastated. He will not want to hear my joy. Um, but I will say I am very pro-USA as well. So I'm, I'm just excited to see both of those teams play and hope they live up to everything that their fans want them to live up to. And fingers crossed they don't meet at any point because that would be awful. <laughs> Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. This was this got me excited. I'm I'm ready to commit to terrible time zones. Yes, <laughs> excellent. Get that weighted blanket, girl. <laughs> Rebecca Lowe is host of NBC Sports Premier League coverage and Apple News's unofficial World Cup podcast after the whistle, hosted alongside Brendan Hunt. If you're listening in the news app right now, we'll cue their preview episode to play for you next. And if not, check it out on Apple Podcasts, where you can follow the show to never miss an episode. And if you're liking Apple News in conversation, follow us on Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review us. 